You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Second hour of Leafs Lunch underway. And Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. It's 2 for 1 Tuesday. Order a regular price pizza from the Create Your Own menu and get a second pizza of the same size or lesser value free. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star filling in for Julia Tsheri. She'll be back tomorrow. Uh, and tomorrow, got a game. Got uh, the Wilds coming to town before the Leafs head out on the West Coast, Western Canadian road trip. Can't really call it the Western Canadian road trip anymore because Seattle's factored into their name. That's right. That's, that's right. upsetting. It's just the Western swing now. Just the Western swing. But that's a pretty nice trip. I mean, you get you get you get Seattle. You get Vancouver. It's uh, as much as you know. You got to go to the as Craig Button told us the the forty below in Calgary today might be a little hard to take, but. You still get that Pacific air from two different places in Seattle and Vancouver now. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on the Flames season so far, Dave? Oh. I think we, we have been on the show in a bit to talk about it, but like that's they finally won last night, but they were down 3-1 to Arizona, to Arizona, and it was like, what's going on here? They finally came back. They won that game 6-3, I think it was the final. But they, they've been a, a really, really big disappointment this season so far. Man, isn't it funny? Like, how many times are we sitting in on this very station on these airwaves talking about how they won the off season? Or if they didn't yeah. win the off season, then Brad Tree Living, the GM out there, certainly had salvaged a very difficult situation with uh, with core pieces telling him they didn't want to be in Calgary anymore and being able to do what he was able to do uh, in the absence uh, in the departure of Johnny Goudreau and Kachuk, but. Man, I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't work, right? It's just—it's amazing how you can win the offseason, and sometimes the pieces just don't fit. And it just seems to me like the pieces just aren't fitting. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, they got the Flames next Thursday. They'll be—they will be in Calgary taking on uh, ooh back to back. They got the Oilers on Wednesday, and then the Flames on the Thursday, the day before the NHL trade deadline. So we'll see what uh, what comes to the Western Swing. But as I said, they got one more game before they got to focus on that against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, that's tomorrow night at Scotiabank Arena. All right, coming up. Uh, actually, I think he's on the line right now. Uh, I believe. All right. It's- Kelly Chase, longtime St. Louis Blues, uh, big part of their alumni association, and former Leafs legend. We've been teeing this this up for a while, and i got to start with it. Uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us, Kelly. Yeah, thanks for having me. I see uh, the Leafs lunch has gotten a lot better. <laughs> As in uh, blue lunch, like back with noodles and the boys? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because, you know, like, just, there were some there were some tough times with that crew. <laughs> well, I think they're doing all right. They're doing all right uh, nowadays. But uh, yeah, they uh, yeah they 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 moved on to bigger and better things. Like I would say, um, we've been teeing it up for a little bit here, Chaser. Leafs legend. You played two games and somehow yeah. was able to compile twenty seven penalty minutes through those two games. Can you break that down for me? Well. First of all, I got there and I failed my physical because my was wrecked. Uh, surgery that was done in Hartford, so I had that going for me. And then uh, I think they were going to rescind the trade and Cliff Fletcher was going to send me back. That was in the midst of uh, when uh, Hartford, which I 
to a Shawshank uh, had had decided that they were leaving. We no one really knew where they were going, and it was a disaster. The fans were booing. There was Gerald Dick's house toilet papered, and you know they were mad because, and it wasn't our fault. We didn't make, we didn't even know where we were going. So I said, you know, the Fletcher, I said, hey, mind if you could, I, I do all the work to get back and, and get in shape and get make my knee strong again. But um, and Chris Broadhurst was there, the trainer. He was awesome, and I said, I'll in every day, and I'll play, and I'll play with it like this, even, you know, but. At the end of the day, you know, don't send me back there. I have an opportunity with the Leafs, and I will play before the season. So I played the last couple of games. I wanted to make sure um, that I, uh, you know, kind of left a little bit of a mark as I was played my my two game stint there. But uh, but the funny thing about it is is that when I played in St. Louis, Burke was the equipment manager, um, and I I had. Um, um, a jersey that's a little bit bigger than what well, was a goalie cut jersey because it was always a smaller guy. When I got in a tussle, I, you know, at least I had a little bit of room to maneuver these big guys. And uh, we were on the road when I played the two games. And Pappy, who I love, by the way, our equipment guy, he, he didn't have any goalie cut jerseys for me. So I wore this jersey, got all tangled up in every time I fought. I think I fought three times in, in the two games. Or three or four times, and I and I said, uh, when we get back to Toronto for now, I'm you got to get me a jersey that fits me. This thing's ridiculous because it looks like it fits you. Yeah, I go, yeah, you didn't get punched in the nose three times in two fights. I said, I need something a bit bigger, buddy. I'm not quite as big as these guys, so um, <clears throat> I never got to use the third. That that when we got back, I never got to. I never played again at it. I think we had a game left, one game left at home, and uh, ever I came back to. Camp. I was looking forward to being a Toronto Maple Leaf, and uh, of course, my best friend was Wendell, and he was there and loved it. And I've been around Toronto quite a bit because of him. And uh, Mike Smith era began, and he uh, wanted me to go to the minors and and on conditioning until they figured out the roster. And I said, "Well, no. I mean, I'm not doing that. You have to put me on waivers." He goes, "Well, you'll get picked up." And I go, "Well, that's kind of the point of waivers." And uh, I had to get. I had to get. Uh, I had to get a place to play because my contract was coming up and I had this knee injury. And uh, they had a team picture the next day before the draft. And he told me not to go to the ice for the picture. So I assumed I was going somewhere. And then he went and looking for houses. And when he came back for the team picture, I had found out at that point that he had sent me back to St. Louis. So I appreciated what he had done. Uh, they took me for a conditional draft pick that I became like a sixth, fourth or sixth round pick or whatever it ended up being. And then a, a, a case of wine, Mr. Cron and him are whinies. And I often wondered whether it was actually like 100 acre or something good, you know, or, or was it like box wine? But uh, <laughs> that, was my, that, that, that was my stint in Toronto. Uh, let, can we try and call him back here, Nick? Because we're... we're 
getting bits and pieces of the story. It was a great story. It was kind of clicking a little bit. Let's see if we can try and call you back and so we can get a, a clear line there. But that's a, that's, yeah. that was a, a, a long story, and that's a, a pretty great good story. story there. Could you imagine if, like, finding out, yeah, you've been traded for a, a box of wine, essentially. Well, it's Fourth funny. round pick and a box of wine. It's like, well, it's, what, what kind of wine is it? <laughs> yeah, the untold stories of, of the NHL uh, trade market, because it's funny, on his hockey reference page, Kelly Chase's hockey reference page, it says uh, September 30th, 1997, traded to, by the Maple Leafs to the St. Louis Blues for unknown compensation, <laughs> which turned out to be... <laughs> Unknown in terms of the brand of wine, uh, the vintage of the wine that was exchanged between the Leafs and blue, uh, the Blues in that particular transaction. So do we just break news for the NHL? I think we just technically broke some news. Uh, are, are you there, Chaser? Do we have you? You got me. Was that better? Oh, yeah, this is, this better. is better. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, good stuff for, for getting back on there, Nick. But um, you're just talking about how, uh, you know, you, you and Wendell were, were kind of, you know, grew up really good friends, um, two Sasky boys on the same team. So, like, how great was it to finally play with him with the Maple Leafs? Well, like I said, I only played a couple games with him, and, yeah. and it was great. I mean, growing up with him was, you know, we had a great – grouping of guys i don't know if you ever saw the video that they did on our baseball team i think it's called uh the, the toughest team they ever did michael farber there ever was and it was michael farber um uh that did the did the uh did a really good job of this of, of going back home and talking about our fast pitch team that we played on and uh and it was just good being around that group of guys you know kosher and wendell and don clark Barry Melrose. It was it was just a a real good group of guys that cared about one another, and we we, we enjoyed being around one another. And I think in the uh, Mike Blosky, who was a goalie with the <clears throat> Flyers organization once, I think on the video he said there was many people that were referred to our our baseball team as a work release program more than a ball team, but it was uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a tough group of guys that really enjoyed being around one another and. And, uh, you know, between Wendell's brothers and the kosher cousins and Melrose's, there was a couple old goat farmers that pitched for us as well. And, uh, you know, there was a summer where we won every tournament we played in, and we just loved playing ball. And and you think about that now and go, there's no way that Edmonton would allow Connor McDavid to be playing fastball in the summertime, competitive fastball in the summertime. Yes. With the way the contracts are, right? But Wendell played, and everyone was coming to watch us play. I think everyone probably wanted us to get beat, but we just had we just had a great time as a group growing up. Trent Yanni, Kevin Kaminsky, um, it was it was a fun group of guys that all got together every summer. Jason, when you watch the sport now that you love, you grew up playing. Um, what do you make of it? Because we were just talking earlier in the show about you know, the lack of animosity in the game. We heard John Tartarella a few years ago saying how it frustrates him that there's not enough hate in the game and maybe not even just about, obviously there's not as much fighting, there's not anywhere near as much fighting, but the lack of the lack of real tension between players on opposing teams. What, what do you make of it and, and maybe what could the NHL do to address it, if anything? 
Well, you could address it because you guys have a platform every day and you let these guys that go on the air and bitch and complain constantly about how physical and all that was dirty and the league's got to clean up this league and you let the Ken Campbells and the and the guys like this talk and, and never... You, you, it's funny how you guys... are uh, One thing about media people, they rarely eat their own. You know, they don't have the stomach to go and stand up to another media person and say that was ridiculous. I mean, I, I remember last year, the one time it happened and they were completely wrong and they're friends of mine, but but Craig Button and, and Dregs took a shot at Tyson Nash when he's talking about Zegris. Mm-hmm. And he said something about him skilling it up. And, he, and, and they took a swipe at him. And what Nasher actually meant was the kid was going by the bench, a kid, by the way, on a team that's a, a losing team, and constantly shooting his mouth off and like, acting like an ass. And then he gets his own teammate in trouble and then has the audacity to come and whine on the air after. Everybody want, should have went and said, just shut your mouth and play. Everybody should have. But people were on Dyson Nash for talking about skilling it up. Like, you, what do you mean? Well, like, because you acted like an ass. You were embarrassing guys, and that's not what hockey players did. So it was kind of a, a – it's actually funny because if you know Pat Verbeek, who was – my captain when I was in Hartford and one of the most respected guys I believe should be in the Hall of Fame. I understand that. I don't know this from Pat, so I don't want to put him on the spot. But he told the kid he was lucky he wasn't playing or he would have knocked his teeth out after the game. Now, if that actually happened, I praise Pat for that because that's the little things that you guys can do to talk about it. But every time there's an incident, it's blown out of proportion. Why isn't, you know, why isn't... uh, George Peros making more of this. How could George Peros possibly decide on what is good and bad for the league when he played the way he played? Well, guess why? Because he has a better understanding than most of the guys that didn't ever have to have those altercations. So that's why he's good at it. He takes a tremendous amount of heat from a lot of people, and I guess that goes with the job. But I will tell you, I think he does a great job. And as a matter of fact, I actually think that he's too soft. Like, I think at some point, when I say soft, I think he needs to to have some of these guys and say to them, you know what happened? Because you act like a jackass. And that's the way it used to be, and it kind of policed and took care of itself. And so if you're asking me how it could go back a little bit, you guys are actually a little bit of the curators of the game. So when you talk about it, you might want to point out some of these guys they write these scathing articles about how hard the game and how bad it is, and all these guys are bullies, and you know because at some point the pendulum has to swing back. I am not a disgruntled ex-athlete. As a matter of fact, I have a great respect for the game. I love the game. It's faster. They're more skilled. People ask me often, "Have could you think you could play the game nowadays?" I say, "Probably not." But ninety percent of the guys playing right now couldn't play when I played. Yeah, no, all fair points there. I mean, you say the media doesn't eat its own, uh, Chaser, but you haven't seen the O-Dog uh, take, take the boot style's brother on overdrive now and then when, they, when they're yeah, not doing so well. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Anyway, you're right. No, all is fair there. That's, but, uh, you know, I did, you know, I think you made some great points there. Um, but, you know, it's interesting how it has changed. We were talking, Al's brother and I, about Ryan O'Reilly, and we want to get your thoughts on, on what it's meant to St. Louis uh, to see O'Reilly go, but before we get there, you know, we wanted to mention that you know he's brought some electricity to 
the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously with the, the hat trick the other night in Buffalo. But the fact that he he's done this in his career, been known as a glue guy, a captain, a tough guy, but he's never had a fight. I mean, we, what, what do you make of Ryan O'Reilly, the way he's been able to, you know, not get pushed around, not not be anybody's patsy out there, but has never been in an NHL hockey fight? Well, you don't have to be tough to, to I mean, a fighter to be tough. I, I get asked that. First of all, let's start up with Ryan O'Reilly. I love Ryan O'Reilly. I hope Ryan O'Reilly signs with the St. Louis Blues. Um, he's he's not only a friend, but he's a leader in this community here in St. Louis, and he's made a tremendous impact on the city because they were the first team to win the Cup. Um, you can, it's hard to believe it only was four years ago when this team looks the way it looks right now. But one thing about a, uh, Doug Armstrong, he does have a very unique way of of capitalizing on opportunities and making things change in a hurry. So uh, so I think that, that the stewardship of of the Blues are in good hands. As far as O'Reilly goes, when I was asked by a few people that are in the management with you guys what I thought of him, I, I quickly responded. He may have lost a step because of some injuries, but one thing I will tell you is you've got great character, great leadership, and you never have to worry about whether this guy's going to show up in a big game and play hard for you and you're going to get the most of him. He's a gamer. He's a playoff guy. He is is an ultimate leader by example, his work ethic, and the time that he spends on the ice working on his craft. He he, he studies it. Ryan O'Reilly is going to help the Toronto Maple Leafs no matter what happens uh, down the stretch here. I will tell you, he will be a he's a great asset. So, so that's a hell of a trade for them. Um, as far as the tough guys, not uh, you know, all being fighters. Look, when people ask me who I think the toughest guys that I ever fought or played with, I never tell that story and not say Brett Hall. I mean, the guy took a beating to score 86 goals in front of the net, never complained about injuries, and had guys working them over with aluminum sticks. Okay, so I never one time ever said, oh, you know, I didn't take for granted how tough Hall was. He was tough. And another guy I mentioned is Chris McAlpine, who who did have some fights. I'd say he had three or four fights in his career, and people are like, who? Chris McAlpine? Well, Chris McAlpine broke his foot one year in the playoffs, and he played and broke him in game one, and he played game two, three, and four against the LA Kings to the, with a broken foot. And they allowed him to do it because it couldn't get any worse than it was. He said, I don't, it's fine. And they put him in this skate, and he went out with a skate, and they gave him a little Novocaine, I think, and then uh, probably got it between his big toe and his and his and his foot to start with. And we were all cringing, and he just sat there with a big chew in on the trainer's table, and 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 you know held onto the table a little bit, and and he taped his he taped his wrist up uh, from January on. And when the season ended, well, or when that series ended, Quenville said, "Make sure you get him in a cast so he can't come in here wanting to play for the next round." So they put him in a cast, and he, he came to the rink the next day, and the guy had a cast from the end of his fingertips to his armpit, and then one on his foot. He had a broken wrist. He'd been playing and taping by himself from January on, and and he and he didn't complain about it, and he just played. And to me, that's tough. And so, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly may not have had a fight, but let me tell you something. You're not getting short and changed on toughness. You're not getting shortchanged on effort. 
and certainly not going to intimidate Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, we're chatting with Kelly Chase, a longtime St. Louis Blues player, big part of their alumni association, and uh, played a couple of games for the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. But another player who came into that trade and was kind of overshadowed a little bit was Noel Achari. Uh, we've gotten to see what he can bring to the group over the last three games that he's been here. Brings a lot of energy, hits everything that moves. What else uh, should we be expecting in, in Noel Achari here with Toronto? Well, you, you're, you're watching it already. As a matter of fact, I had uh, dinner with, uh, I'm completely name-dropping here, but with Talkin and, and, and Craig Ruby last <laughs> night. We did a little film thing here, and uh, they were talking about it. And, and Chief said, to, you know what? Toronto Maple Police are a way better team today than they were last week. And he just made the point of saying, you're getting effort out of those guys. You're getting consistency and leadership. And he goes, and there's, and there's never going to be a letdown from them. So... That's sort of what you're seeing exactly what you're going to get out of him. And if he chips in a goal here or there, uh, as he can, you know, that's what you that's what you need in the playoffs. You need guys that are going to, you know, get the end of their finger broken and still play and yet go out and finish checks and stand around the front of the net, be a menace, and then know how to win. And the, the, you got both of them. Yeah, no doubt about it, uh, Chaser. You know, you said something intriguing there about Ryan O'Reilly among the many things uh, and great thoughts you had there is you hope he signs back in St. Louis. Of course, a pending unrestricted free agent. There's been a lot of talk about the price paid for a rental player. What's your gut feeling about you know his, his future as an NHLer? Because I think a lot of people in Toronto obviously are hoping that Kyle Dubas uh, or whoever is managing this team in the offseason will be able to re-sign a Ryan O'Reilly. Well, look, I mean, I don't know anything about the intricacies of what the hell ever anybody's thinking about Ryan O'Reilly, but I know from my perspective and from a leadership standpoint of what he's accomplished in St. Louis and how the city views him and that's how the and there's a lot more to it than just, you know, you have to move on from all players no matter how the city the city views him. I mean, we know Wendell is, is is still the city's son and and you know, but it was time when he retired too, and there all comes a time for all of us. At the end of the day, Ryan O'Reilly, I think, still has a lot to give. It's a matter of what the price is for him for everybody, not just uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, but also the St. Louis Blues. And then also, you know, like how's the fit? What, what's the direction? It doesn't matter what you have uh, as a team. Ryan O'Reilly is going to be an asset to you. If you have a team that needs to learn how to win, well, you have a Conn Smythe and Stanley Cup winner. And so it might be that young team. If you have a team that, that, that needs to grow, you know, he's going to be able to teach kids not only work ethic, but he's going to teach them everything from. And there's a lot that goes into it. And, and you know, like when St. Louis won the Cup, Ryan just had to play. Alex Petrangelo was the captain, and he helped you know, manage the, the the stuff with the coaches. And Alex Steen was the captain off the ice. He managed the entire locker room and the, and how the and how the you know guys were. If somebody's wife was sick and then no one really knew about it, he, hey, what do you need help when if, you, if somebody was having a tough time with something in their personal life? And you know, hey, the, he knew about it and handled it. So the leadership came from a lot of those different guys when they won. But Ryan O'Reilly was a big part of that. And so it doesn't go unnoticed in St. Louis. 
I have to believe that, I mean, obviously the fans would love to see him come back, but I have to believe it's going to be a consideration based on the price with Ryan because there's absolutely nothing that was in his game here that would tell you that it was, you know, hey, we that's not a guy we would want around. Uh, last one for you, Chaser. What goes through your mind when you see the reports of, you know, St. Louis potentially interested in bringing in Timo Meyer at a time where it seems like the team's selling? Well, you got a young, restricted free agent player. I mean, that's that's what you're trying to do. I mean, look, you're trying to get guys that you get, you know, six, seven years out of. You know, and that's that's what you're trying to do. Look at. If you're going to put Robbie Thomas and, and Cairo in a, in a leadership role when both of them still have to have a lot to learn when it comes to that side of it, and, that, and that's not a knock against them. That, that you're talking about two, two good kids here that we need to have in the organization. But you have to have a foundation of players around them or else, you know, even though you know, Robbie's won and, and, and Cairo's been a part of being around here, you know, being the guy, you know, you're not a support staff anymore. You're the guy. So not only are you playing against the one to six in the lineup, but you're also having to do all of those things we talked about: manage locker room, manage the you know the off ice stuff, um, show that heart that you're the hardest worker on the on the team every day, uh, and then you got to surround those those guys with character. So so for Army to go out and get him, it would be it wouldn't surprise me. Doug's very innovative. He's, you've always seen that, you know. He was he. Look, remember he traded um, Johnson, and when Eric was a first pick overall in the draft, and got Shattenkirk and Stewart, and it was it enabled us to get on a on a winning era of of hockey where we desperately needed it and didn't have time for Eric to grow into the long term defenseman that he is now. And I think it it helped Eric, and I think it helped. The Blues tremendously, but Army's not afraid to pull the trigger on a deal. So don't be surprised if you end up seeing him with a young, really good defenseman that's going to be available as well as a player like that because he doesn't intend on, uh, you know, he's not in here. Doug Armstrong's uh, philosophy is not like, hey, I want to go and rebuild again for the next few years and hope I get another contract. He's trying to see how many trophies he can put on the cabinet, and that's... That's what he's about, and that's why in St. Louis he's appreciated the way he is. Well, the Blues certainly a team to watch over the next uh, eight days leading up to the Angel trade deadline. Uh, Chaser, really appreciate taking the time to join us. It was a fun chat. Hopefully we can chat again soon. Anytime, guys. Be well. Thank you so much. There he goes. Kelly Chase, longtime NHLer and uh, very passionate about the way the game is is currently being played and and, uh, and uh, observed by the media for sure. He was uh, yeah, he took a few shots there at, at some of our colleagues for probably us too. I mean, we're as guilty as anybody, I guess. Oh of, yeah, absolutely. Of being critical of of the NHL disciplinary system here, but but to me, it's not about discipline. Like I I completely see where you know Kelly's coming from in terms of. You know, sometimes maybe we, do we nitpick? Do we nitpick things too much? No doubt about it. But to me, it's just about being competitive on a daily basis. Want to really win yeah. and 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 
compete hard and do anything it takes and, and not just coast around out there for 60 minutes and don't touch anybody and just kind of go about your business and, and earn your check. And I just think that's, you know, it's not just a problem in the NHL. It's a problem in the NBA. It's a problem. It's a problem in these sports with long schedules when the playoffs mean everything and the regular season doesn't mean much. And I'm not sure there's an easy solution. Yeah, there's, there's a lot more Sam Mitchell stat lines out there in uh, the modern day NHL than there used to be and we know what that means a lot of zero 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 zeros across the stat sheet and uh I yeah, was there for that one live I was brother that's how old oh, I am I was what a that line. was a great moment in Raptors history what a line I just thought like it, it makes sense for Chaser to have that opinion by the way he's got 2017 penalty minutes in just 458 games that's hard to do. <laughs> that That's is efficient. very hard to do. That is efficiency, that, man. You'll, I, I mean, you just you don't see that in today's modern game. You really don't see it. That's that's All knowing right. your role. That you got to know Absolutely. your role to rack them up like that. Absolutely, you do. Uh, on the other side, we'll get to our Thursday three pack. Dubis made one trade. If he makes another, we've got three new trade targets that we believe he should go after. We'll uh, we'll tell you who they are on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. You'll listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Count to three? Yeah. That's your big advice? Count to three? Yeah. Whenever you get scared about anything, you just do this. You just count to three and then do it. So I give you to the count of three. One, two, three. Not only you and me. Got degrees and I'm All right, Dave. It's time for the Thursday three-pack. I'm Mike DiCepano with Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. It's Leafs Lunch, and we do this every Thursday. We got a little three-pack of players this week we're looking at as uh, you know new trade targets, right? We saw the Ryan O'Reilly deal go through last Friday, and all the insiders say they're not quite sure, but they don't believe Dubis is done. He's still working the phones and poking and prodding around to see if he can bring in another piece to the team. So we've put together three players each that we think could be new trade targets for the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, we, we both – pretty much defensively like we yes. think you need to now address the blue line that's that's kind of what we've decided and we talked about that a lot in the first hour so how you want to do this you want to go through your three guys and we can sure. kind of react and then go my three okay so why don't you kick sure. it off so i'm gonna go look i think the premise of my first couple of selections here is that they got to replace jake muzzin and i i, I believe that since the day Many months ago, when we found out that Jake Muzzin was in trouble with this cervical spine injury and that he wasn't going to be playing until he was reevaluated in February, and of course we found out yesterday that, indeed, just as suspected, he will not be available from here on out. So I think they've got to find that guy. Now, that guy is not going to be easy to find. I'm not saying it's going to be easy to do this, Els brother, but if I have, if this is a wish list, I'm going to start at the very top of my wish list, and I'm going to go with Dmitry Orlov, of mm. course, the... Excellent defenseman, defense first defenseman for the Washington Capitals because he he ticks all the boxes. You know, he's a physical guy. He has been involved in high leverage games. He's got a Stanley Cup ring with the Washington Capitals. Uh, Of course, we don't know if Washington's going to sell. Right now, there's there's a feeling that they want to do their best to to try and make the playoffs for Alex Ovechkin here uh, as he continues his march toward Wayne Gretzky's record and, and continues to play hard well into his 30s. But 
I'd be knocking on the door for uh, Dimitri Orlov if I'm Kyle Dubas, even though he is a restricted or sorry, unrestricted free agent pending. Uh, he's a guy I want to replace the absence of Jake Muzzin. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think Dimitri Orlov and I on Insider Trading Tuesday night we did hear that you know teams are calling and he could be made available. I was looking up their uh, their cap situation for the Washington Capitals, mm-hmm. the amount of UFAs that they have. If you take out who's currently on on LTIR anyway, John Carlson. But mm-hmm. if you take him out, every single one of their blue liners ha- are on expiring deals, two of which are, are RFAs, the remaining six UFAs. They've got mm-hmm. a lot of guys who they could ship out if they decide to sell. Yeah. Um, and I think Dimitri Orlov would be at the top of most people's list for sure. Uh, so I, I like that one. Who do you got as uh, in number two? So my second one, obviously, would not be anywhere near as big a home run, but it, it maybe in the more realistic acquisition range uh, is is uh, Gavrikov, uh, Vladislav yeah. Gavrikov with uh, Columbus. You know, obviously, doesn't have the same pedigree track record as a Dmitry Orlov because he's been playing at Columbus. But you know, look, he's 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 physical. Uh, he's you know he's. Checks a lot of the boxes in terms of a net front presence who can who can clear out the traffic, uh, give your goalie a clear line of sight in high-pressure moments. Uh, that would be the, the, the next kind of tier of guy I would be looking at if I'm Kyle Dubas. If I can't get an Orlov with, with the Gold Star resume, then I'm going to get a Gavrikov who may not have the playoff experience to his name, but certainly uh, does a lot of the things I'm looking for here. Are you willing to give up the price it would take? The reports are they want three pieces. Uh, a first, and I think a third and a fourth was the report that we had last heard that it would take to get Gavrikov. Uh, is, is, that like, seems steep, right? It does, but if that's what it takes, like if this is truly that all-in year, like are you willing to make that move? Well, look, I mean, I guess this depends on what the other options. If it's my only option, yeah, I look, I can't, I can't let 3 o'clock Friday pass with the D, the D I've got, Al's brother, I just can't. So yeah. if that was my only option and they held a gun to my head and said it's got to be a first, what is it, a first, a third, and a fourth? That's what's being reported. I mean, I guess I'm, if I'm Kyle Dubas, I've got a 2024 first-round pick, I've got a 2025 first-round pick, and I'm not going to be around <laughs> to use them. I'm not going to be around to use them if I don't improve this decor, Al's brother. So, yes, I will make those picks expendable to get the guy I'm trying to get. I love it. That's aggressive. All right, who rounds out your Thursday three-pack? You know, my Thursday three-pack is rounded out. I was brother with a goaltender. We had Ooh. Craig Button on talking about as much as he thinks they need D, I think he feels maybe more strongly than we do that they need insurance in net given the unpredictability of Matt Murray's History as a you know a guy who can be a late injury scratch, let's say, uh, you know, like we're talking pregame skate injury scratch, pregame warm-up injury scratch. Um, so yeah, and I, I'm with Craig on that. I, wa- I I would not feel comfortable going into the playoffs with Matt Murray being a huge question mark with Il- Ilya Samsonov having one career playoff win, and then the rest of the the goalie depth being unproven guys like Eric Shogren and Joseph Wall. So. I'm going to go with a with a Eunice Corpusallo. I mean, he's obviously Columbus. Who knows where they're heading? You know, what what is that franchise's plan? I don't know. And that may be a little. He may be a little rich for the Leafs' blood as well, because obviously he's 
he's a really good goaltender. He's a starter. Maybe they're looking more of a backup. If it's more of a backup, maybe I'm going with a Craig Anderson, who's got incredible playoff experience, even though he's 41 years old. But uh, that's my line of shopping, Al's brother, uh, in the goaltending department. I've just got to find some insurance. And, I, and if I don't get that insurance, I am not going to sleep well between now and game one of the Tampa-Toronto series. Yeah, I, I want to make sure, like if I'm Kyle Dubas, and I know you don't technically get the lineup card, but I'd be looking at Sheldon and being like, we got to get a couple more games here between today and next Friday for Joseph Wall. we got to know yeah. exactly what he looks like, more than just the two-game sample size at the NHL level, especially since that first game against Columbus. Really, you couldn't get anything because they played so garbage in front of him. So that's something that I would be kind of going down to the coach and being like, hey, throw me a bone here so I can properly evaluate the depth at the goaltending position. Let's get a couple more games here out of uh, out of Joe Wall in the next next week here. Uh, but, good but list, even though. if you did, would you feel – sorry to interrupt you, but even if you did get those games, would you yeah. – you don't know what he's going to be like in the playoffs, do you? You're not going to well, know. No, you don't, I suppose. And, you know, Jonas Corpusalo had that one playoff. So we watched him against Toronto, right? Yeah. Played against Toronto, and he had that one, like, five overtime game against yes. Tampa Bay. So, like, you've seen him play, but it was just that one, that one playoff. So, like, you, you don't even know what Samsonov's right. going to give you. You're right. Samsonov's only given you, like, a couple of playoff games in his career. But ultimately, I, I think if you have only X amount of assets and X amount of dollars, now, I, I'm not sure you're able to hit on every single one in terms no. of getting a defenseman and a goaltender, but I can totally see goaltending being a, a concern for, for some people. Um, I didn't have a goalie on my list, though, but, okay. but I, I appreciate the thought of needing to grab a goaltender for sure. Uh, my list, so I, I'd start up, same with you, tip top on, on my wish list is Connor Murphy. Like I kind of teased it and talked about it earlier. You know, he's a right shot defenseman, plays heavy, big body. Uh, he'll, you know, be a lumberjack in front of the net. He can yes. play a Jake Muzzin type of guy, but he does it from the right side. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just... You know, for me, getting playing him with Morgan Rally, I think, could work. So if you could beef up that first pairing with Connor Murphy and Mo, then you can move um, Brody down to the second pair and play him with maybe a Lilligren or Justin mm-hmm. Hall. But whoever you play with, Brody always elevates that guy. And, you know, we've seen a Brody-Hall pairing work. So I, I think that could be something, especially if you already have a guy like Connor Murphy uh, playing heavier minutes with Morgan Riley. Um, number two on my list, I've got Scott Mayfield, which is an okay. interesting name. So he was someone who, who was on my radar earlier in the season when the Islanders were, you know, teetering on a playoff position. They're currently in a playoff spot right now, but not in terms of points percentage. They've got a lot of games played over teams like Buffalo, Detroit, um, the teams who are chasing them. And I wonder where what the Islanders are going to do. I know they bought with Bo Horvat, but they extended him. But if this team doesn't show that they can go on a run here, I wonder if they look to move him as he is a pending UFA. Yeah. And there's not much cap space to re-sign a guy like that for next year. So they could keep him as an own rental and try and go into the playoffs, uh, get, get into the playoffs at the very least, and uh, use him as a useful top four piece. But I also wonder if they could get... Uh, an asset for it, Toronto should be calling because I think he's the type of guy 
who, if you're looking at a, a second pair of defensemen, if you want to keep Brody and TJ or TJ Brody and, and Morgan Riley together, you put Scott Mayfield with Giordano. I feel very comfortable with that as a second pair. Yeah, I wonder how that call goes. You know, Kyle Dubas calling up Lou uh, after the. You know, let's uh, let's face it. The Leafs did kick Lou to the curb. But I wonder how I wonder how Lou feels about dealing with his old franchise. Do they have any other players that were signed to like bad Lou deals that he could? There you go, like you did with Matt that's, Martin and Leo. That would be, that, yeah, exactly. You got You got to figure that one out. But yeah. no, it's look. I like both those selections. I really do. And uh, who's your third guy? Nick Jensen would be my third guy. Similar to you're talking about with Orlov, Nick Jensen's on the Washington Capitals. If they do decide to move uh, some guys out and, and sell here, he's another player that I'd be interested in. Me and uh, our guy Frankie Corrado have, have chatted about to Nick Jensen as a possible piece. He's a big fan of him. He plays a steady defensive game. The, the underlying metrics are typically really good when it comes to Jensen, and he's someone who could fill in and play some top four minutes, and I think that that would be, uh, you know, not the my number one option, but if you strike yeah. out, if Murphy's not available, if Mayfield's not available, maybe you go and get a Nick Jensen who I think could play some comfortable, you know, top four minutes alongside of Giordano. And, you know, I feel better with Jensen over Justin Hall. Let's just say that. Yeah, well, hey, he's at his best. He's been like a 20-minute-a-night guy for the Capitals. Yeah. You're right. He's played in a handful of playoff series. He's he's a veteran guy. Yeah, you're right. He checks a lot of the boxes. And, and let's face it, you can have your wish list. You and I could both have our wish list. Yours, top of yours is, is, is Murphy. Top of mine is Orlov. But the most likely scenario here, given what we're talking about here where the Leafs don't have exactly a stockpile of assets uh, and probably are loath to to just start frittering away more first-round picks, especially future first-round picks for a GM who may not be around in the future. You wonder how the team president might feel about that or a team ownership might feel about that. You're right. It's going to maybe be you're not going to get you know exactly the guy you want. Maybe you just got to get some reasonable facsimile of it. Some 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 guy that fills the fills the slot. It might not be the perfect. Yeah. Guy. Well, like like Labushkin last year. Like, was that the perfect addition? No, but he was a guy that they brought in and it worked. It, 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 it filled a need. Uh, could they have gotten someone better? Probably. And and maybe they do go and get that guy this year. But maybe they got to settle for a Labushkin level of talent, like uh, a Mayfield or Jensen. Who, to be honest, are probably better players than, than Ilya Labushkin, I would argue, also. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what they end up doing, though. Next Friday, eight days till the NHL trade deadline at this point. So we'll do see what Kyle Dubas ends up doing. Maybe he stays put. Who knows? Uh, only only Kyle can't knows stay what's put, up. Kenny. But can't stay put, I, brother. I don't think he should stay. He shouldn't stay put. I, I agree with that. He should not stay put. But I don't know. Well, it's... What you said is interesting. I want to get into that a little bit. Like when it comes to dealing futures and, and whether or not you feel like maybe he's restricted. I, I do want to have a conversation about that on the other side. So let's come back and dive into that a little bit because that could play a factor into what happens next Friday. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. It was an Leafs lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. 
I'm Mike DeSefano with Dave Festruck. Leafs Lunch rolls on here for another couple of minutes, and uh, gameplay will be coming up after us. We were just getting into a conversation about uh, you know what might come of next Friday's NHL trade deadline and whether or not Kyle Dubas would have full autonomy to do what he feels is necessary to put this team in position to uh, get through the first round and hopefully win their first Stanley Cup since 1967. And then you brought up, but what if management and ownership above him doesn't let him do that? Do you think that that could play a factor, or do you think that he has full autonomy to make moves, even if it does jeopardize the future of this organization? Well, look, this is this is a situation, I was brother, that is the very reason why you have a team president, right? Mm. Because the GM's trying to win now. Rightly so. Now is the time. Now has been the time to win for quite a few years in, in Leafs Nation. But the president's got to think about the greater interests of the of the franchise. It can't just be about now. It can't just be about this season. He's got to think about, you know, where is this franchise heading if, guess what, teams lose in the playoffs. You guess what, things don't go the way you hoped they were going to go. Uh, and what will we have left uh, to speak of? And if you know anything about Leafs history, Al's brother, and I know you do, you know that a lot of the bad times in Leafs history have been brought about by the, you know, to use a phrase coined by Cliff Fletcher, the draft schmaft attitude that you could just, you know, watch first round picks fly out the window again and again, and there won't be repercussions. Guess what? There are repercussions when you allow first round picks to fly out the window uh, on, on, a, on a regular basis. They've been allowing first-round picks to fly out the window on a regular basis in these last few years of the Kyle Dubas era as they've gone in all in again and again and again trying to get this team over the first-round hump. Uh, and I find Brendan Shanahan, yeah, that's my duty to say, wait a second here, okay, you believe in this team. If you believe in it, then this team is, it should be enough. We can't We can't mortgage more and more of the future for a team that may or may not be successful, no matter how much we throw in to the the, the ante or the, the the pot this season in terms of more chips. So Al's brother, short answer is, yeah, someone's got to be watching the store here because the guys running it, you know, it's it's human nature to want to survive. It is, but can't you look like, I understand that you got to look at a big picture, but you look at this season and this feels like the the year where, the team looks more ready than ever to win. You know, you look at the way that some of the guys have elevated their play. You know, the young guys like Lilligren, like Sandine, uh, the way that Nylander has really come into his own, and the way that he's playing this season. Even Marner, I think, has taken a step in his game compared to where he was last year when he was even an, an all-pro type player. Yeah. Like, don't you look at it and say that that team has earned the right this year more than any other for us to go all in and it's you know it, it it's not necessarily jeopardizing the future, but it's a belief that this team more than any other has proven that they can get it done, and they may be one piece away. And if that means trading away yeah. a, another future first round pick or a top end talent, uh, a young prospect, so be it. That's kind of yeah. where I think that the Leafs are at, and they've played themselves into at least allowing Kyle Dubas to explore that. Look, I don't disagree. It's a really good season they've having, but I also think, look, no matter which way you slice it, it's going to be a coin flip series against the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? And the question is, do you want to trade away one or two or three more, you know, very valuable picks to get into another coin flip? 
Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I guess we'll see again. Eight more days till the NHL trade deadline. Leafs have Minnesota tomorrow. Julia will be back. We'll help tee up that game. We'll be back tomorrow right here on TSN 1050 at noon. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on TSN 1050.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Dave, appreciate it. It was a fun, uh, fun day and fun show. We got gameplay with Matty Koss coming up next.